Holy Spirit, thank you for just um, your dwelling in my life and God, everything you're doing for us and through us. Um, I just pray that as we, uh, we're here and we listen for your word, Lord God, that you would um, highlight specific things that we really need to hear. Um, we're just a people who so want to grow and get to know you better and so just continue to move in our midst and deepen us um, in, ever, in whatever way you see fit. Um, we give you tonight, we thank you for the worship and just all the great souls that are here and we just ask that you would just have your will tonight. So just quiet my soul and anything that would be of me, I just pray that it wouldn't come out um, and that you would speak through me and uh, you would be glorified as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, so Havilah talked about the Holy Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how powerful it is as Christians to not have to go through life on our own stumbling, like we have a purpose and a calling. Um, and I kind of want to talk about um, what it looks like to, um, to have a powerful testimony and how powerful a testimony is when it's um, in relation to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. If it's just us telling a story about Jesus, it's... It lacks power, but when the Holy Spirit is there, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And so, if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Acts 2. Um, if you don't, no problem. It won't be on the screen because I didn't call Sal. Um, but um, we're going to talk about kind of this is so, let me set the stage for you. This is Acts 2. It's right after the Pentecost, it's right after the Holy Spirit showed up. Um, and people ended up talking in tongues and there were flames on their heads and everybody at the time was um, kind of like, what's going on? The, uh, a bunch of um, just people in the street were like, these people are drunk, it's noon, what's going on? Like, and they started making fun of them. And so what I'm really interested in was Peter's responses through all of these things. Um, so we start at 2 verse 14 and it says, but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, let, the, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you would suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. And I think 9 a.m. is like the first hour. Nof check. And so like that means noonish. Um, and so he, he, just, he just steps up. I mean he says he was the only one of the 11 that just randomly started talking. And what I really love about it is if you skip down to verse 23, um, he's, he's basically, he stands up and he just starts speaking anything that the Holy Spirit's laying on him. Um, and he says, um, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death. And then if you skip down to 36, he says, God has made this Jesus whom you, you crucified, both Lord and Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, now, and then they said, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And what I love about this is that Peter didn't like stand up and kind of give them a like good gospel about, oh yeah, Jesus died so that you can have great life. And he, he basically stood up and said like, you crucified Jesus and you did this. He didn't, there wasn't even like a little bit of sugarcoating. And it was because he was so full of the Holy Spirit and so like, um, just confident in the fact that the Holy Spirit's gonna show up. And so if you read down in 41, it says, those who gladly received his word were baptized and, the, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I mean, we're excited if like five people come to know the Lord. If it's like an altar call and there's five people like, yes, we're like totally doing it. But Peter, like he operates on an entirely different level. If you go down even further, um, and so the kind of, it skip, it, it moves to a, another thing is happening altogether. And this is like a, um, 
a children's story. Like every, every Christian has heard this one. You know, the, the, the um, what was he? He was, um, he was lame and laying by the pool of Bethesda. And he said, um, they, he asked for money from two disciples. And they said, Peter, or money and gold I do not have, but what I do give you, do I have, I give to you. And so they said, and so in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And it was great, and everybody starts praising God. And Peter, it says, I love this, he says, Peter saw it and he responded to the people. And that's really like who Peter was. He saw what was going on. He didn't just like, he wasn't sitting on the sideline like clapping about what God did. He realizes like it's drawing a crowd. Everybody is interested in what's happening. And so it says he saw it and he responded. So he just, I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, I could picture him like the pool of Bethesda, just like stepping up on top of the thing and then just starting to speak. And so if we skip down, um, four verse four, it says, however, so they basically, the, the people get pissed, they get arrested, and, uh, but it says, however, many of those who heard of the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000 people. So he saves like 3,000 people, and the next day he saves like 5,000 people. And it's not because he's some great orator. It's just because at the time, they were walking in such a powerful move of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit was so evident in what they were doing, and he was working with them. They weren't like, they didn't have their own church, and they were doing their own thing. They were operating in the Spirit. And so this is incredibly, I mean, this is what we want to see happen in our lives. And the key take, I mean, I could read the whole story and we could preach on just that. It's really a great stories. But I want to, I want to get to the meat of, of what the value of testimonies in our lives. Um, and so some key takeaways just from those two stories, he had a vision and he saw the opportunity. He wasn't blinded. He wasn't kind of carrying on. I mean, when everybody was uh, speaking in tongues, like, I'm sure he was speaking in tongues too, but he saw the crowd being formed and he responded. And so his vision was, is right where we want to be at. Um, number two, he responded. Like he didn't like hope that another one of the disciples stepped up. It said he, out of the 11, Peter stood up. And out of the two, Peter stood up. He is a, he's consistently standing. Um, and it says he spoke boldly. Well, it doesn't say that. He spoke super boldly. Like he didn't give a sugar-coated message, he just gave the flat-out truth. And it was so, like, raw that he couldn't hope that it's like, oh, I hope my words were good. He just laid it out and hoped the Holy Spirit was there. And, uh, and he didn't sugarcoat it at all. And really, these are key takeaways for understanding what's happening in the early church of Acts, but I think they're really powerful if you're trying to understand what a testimony should look like. I mean, we, we generally think a testimony is like the drug addict who like is standing in front of the church and telling them how he saw the light and everybody claps and then he sips down. Everybody feels slightly better about their lives for like half an hour and then they forget his story. But testimonies are so much more powerful than that. Um, so why am I even telling you about Peter who is, it's more like he's preaching than he's giving a testimony. Um, but the truth is it's entirely consistent with who Peter was and the way that he gave his testimony. If you go to um, 1 Peter 3.15, this is one of my favorite verses and it gives so much, um, it's not complicated. I don't like complicated stuff. And it says, 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart. So set him apart above everything else. Place him at the very top of your heart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks of you of the reason for the hope that you have. And that's kind of the thing, isn't it? We always, um, always be ready to give an account of the hope. And it's important that you have the hope in you. I mean, you have, people have to be able to see it. 
I don't want to get to the end of my life and people, my friends will say like, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Like, that's really cool. That would devastate me. That would be like the worst possible thing you could say because that meant my life was not a testimony. I was absolutely useless and I'm going to pass away any minute now. And what I love about this is that he did it. Like he didn't just preach it. He didn't write it in a book. He said, always be ready to give an account. Ready, I mean, he'd just pop up 3,000 people, pop up 5,000 people. Like he was, he was consistent. Um, and really, how many people, I've been in a lot of prayer services and a lot of times people pray this. They say, God, would you make us so righteous, make us so evident, like make Christ so evident in our lives that people look at us and they go, ooh, I want what you have. Or, and they come and they ask us, like, what do you, how can we get what you want? But in reality, like, what if someone came up to you and was like, I want what you have? Like, would you have anything to say? Or would you give them, like, spiritual, oh, yeah, God is good and he's love? Like, would you have a testimony? Like, would you be able to explain the gospel from beginning to end? Or would you just give them kind of, eh, nothing of me? Because this is, I mean, we want to be people who, Hope is rising out of our lives on a consistent basis. Wherever we go, we are the light of the world. But when people ask us, like, we want to we wanna lead them to Christ. And um, I, I was thinking about this, and I was, I was um, sucker punched by this as well. Because um, I've both done really well, and I've failed super hard. I had a friend in high school um, constantly trying to get me to go drink, like every weekend. He was like, I'm going to go out and drink and it's going to be dope. And he'd tell me all the stories about everything he did and half the time I was like, that sounded kind of fun. But I'm not going to do that because I, I want them to know I'm a Christian. Like I want to look different so that when something crappy happens in their life, they don't go to just another guy. They go to me and I can lead them to Christ. I can, I can be a, an influence in their lives. And so this guy like literally um, four years of high, <coughs> that was weird, four years of high school, <laughs> And, and three years of college, the guy didn't like give any uh, indication that I meant anything. Like he just continued asking me to go to parties um, and continued to live his life. And then one day, um, like everything happened at the same time. Like his, I think he failed a class, his girlfriend cheated on him, like a heck of a lot of stuff happened. And he came to me and he was crying and the guy never cries. And he was like asking me questions and he was totally open. And I had spent the last three months uh, playing video games and skipping class and just largely being useless. And so when he came to me, I'm not operating in the spirit. I have no power. I have nothing to say to him. So I just like asked him questions and made him feel better and patted his back. And he left. I've never had a deep conversation with him since. Like that was my opportunity and I failed so hard. And I'm, I'm, I'm always disappointed by that because he was really like the figurehead in another group. Like everyone, I'm, I'm guaranteed if that guy got saved, he's an extreme person. Everyone around him is going to get saved. And it's just because I was not ready to give an account of the hope that was in me. I, my testimony was only in pretense. I only wanted to look good so that I could have a testimony, but I didn't, I had nothing to say when I got to that point. And I have a friend, oh, I have this friend, Sammy. She uh, um, basically, I've given her my testimony several times about just kind of the, la the things that have been going on in my life for the last two years. And um, I was engaged um, and disengaged and really devastated. And, uh, and so I've, I was, I was um, kind of growing through all that. 
and this girl calls me. And, uh, and she's, she gives me the, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And she like treats me like I'm a victim and, and asks me how things are. And I got so used to like talking to you people about like how great God is and how much I'm learning and how like much I love what's happened in my life that instead of giving her the like non-Christian, oh, it needed to happen and I'm so glad because I grew. Like I was like, God did this and I saw this and Jesus that and I like laid it out. I like, gave her the full gospel and she like was really nice and listened and totally put up with it. But it was like, and she had it, we ended up having like a super deep conversation. I got off the phone and realized like, I just, that was the, the freest sharing of the gospel I've ever had. And it had nothing to do with like, oh, I have been researching Romans and now I can explain the Romans road better than most pastors. Like, no, I, I had a testimony and it just kind of like flowed because I got used to sharing. The hope became something real in my life. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight is how can we be people who not only understand the power of our testimony but operate in it and see it change lives. Um, and, and I think that most of the time we think of testimonies and we think of the, the drug addict or the, um, you know, the guy who's stuck in alcohol. But testimonies have power in, in I think, three main ways. Um, they're powerful in overcoming Satan they're powerful for our own walks. We need them. And they're powerful for reaching the lost. Um, and if we only talk about their power for reaching the lost, we miss a huge amount of their power in the spiritual realm. Um, so if you take a look at Revelations 12:11, I love this verse. Um, I love anything that tells me more about how useless Satan is and how, much, how little power he has over me. Um, He's down here, he's like a roaring lion, can't stand us, wants nothing more than to see me become a hypocrite, fail, just completely look ridiculous. Um, but, and and he, he's got a loud bark, but he has no power in our lives. Um, I was thinking about this during worship, like he fell like lightning. Do you guys know, like have you, can you imagine, like some people are like, oh yeah, there was a heaven and earth battle, and like, no, like lightning just, Done. Like, there was no, like, Satan fought. Like, he, the moment he even thought about it, he was already down. Like, it's, it's really funny. Um, but Revelations 12, 11, maybe it's not funny. We shall overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And this is talking about Satan's onslaught on the church in the last days, which is now. Um, and he says, we will overcome him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I think this is really well-timed um, because we've spent so much time in, in uh, 2011 going through uh, the power of the blood and how we can live under the blood and how powerful that is for our lives. Um, but if we only understand half of it, uh, you'll understand in a minute that we're, we're missing some of the power over Satan's attempts at knocking us down a peg. He's a tactician, Satan. He, um, he has different things he tries on every person. One of the things I've realized in my life is that he likes to nitpick my walk, like on a regular basis. He's like, oh, you did this? That's hypocritical. Like, you did this? That looks nothing like Jesus. What you say and what you do are not consistent. How can you call yourself a Christian? If, and I go through this, like, on a daily basis where I'm like, no, no, like, this is, these are lies, and I have to constantly keep beating him back. And as Christians, we learn how to walk in the spirit. We learn how to beat back the lies of Satan with the blood of Jesus. I mean, every time he says anything to me, I just say, you're lying. I don't care about what you're saying. God sees me through the lens of Jesus Christ. I am holy. I am a son. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And I get used to just putting myself under the blood every time he comes at me with lies. Um, and so I think he's getting frustrated. I think he's 
he's kind of easing off a minute with that because he realizes that that tactic doesn't work against mature Christians. We just plead the fifth and move on. And I was listening to Dave Chappelle's fifth. So funny. Anyway, um, the, the second thing he does is um, he, he, instead of just constantly nitpicking, he pours on the struggles. In the desert times, that's when he tempted Jesus. During hardships, he waits for those times. He goes to God and says, like, have you read Job? He, he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to tempt your, your beloved, like your, your favorite guy. Like he, I can picture him in front of the throne saying, I hate this person. Dave, I hate him. But I don't think he's as good as you think he is, so I'm going to run him through this, this, and this, and then we'll see who's, who he really follows. And, and that's really where our testimony shines because when we're unemployed, we don't need to put unemployed under the blood. We, we need to understand who God is through those things. And, and then on those, those desert times, he says, God doesn't hear you. He goes from nitpicking you to trying to destroy your understanding of God. God doesn't hear you. You are alone. God won't provide. You will always struggle with this. He has all of these like, things he says, and if you have no um, testimony, you have nothing to say against him. You're, you will have, you know, you'll just read the Bible back to him because that's what we've been told. Jesus read the Bible back to Satan, and so Satan had no power. But in reality, like, a lot of Christians, like, what they know about God is what they've heard at church isn't really real. They don't really, you don't really know it. It's the things that you've experienced in Christ. I know he hears my prayers. When, when Satan says God doesn't hear your prayers, I don't care how many times he says that, I open my journal and I look at all of the things I've asked God to do in my life. I look three years ahead and I see that every single one of those has been answered. I know that his timing is not my timing, but I know that he, right, I mean, he takes care of my prayers. I had this dream one day, and he, you know the Lamb's Book of Life where all the names are written in? He, he basically, I saw a picture of a book just like that, but every single thing I had ever prayed was in that book. And it, it was really, really tender to me. Um, I know he's my provider. I spent a year unemployed. It sucked so bad. And just as I'm sitting there, and I'm, 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 I'm sitting with Waterbury, and I'm like, I just don't even care anymore. I have... My car is running, praise God. It just broke down, but it's running again. Um, my family loves me. I don't really have that much debt right now. Like, I could make it another six months. And on top of all that, I'm growing so much. Like, this unemployment has been way better than me than working. As I'm saying that, I get two phone calls in two hours offering two jobs, and they start competing with each other. And by the end of the day, I'm turning down a job. And, and people say, oh, that's just happenstance. No, God is my provider. When I passed a test, he provided everything I needed. I now have an amazing job. I love everything about it. And it has, I now am working under the understanding that what I earn, I, my earning is useless. God is my provider. I know he loves me not because I've been told, but because I've seen prayers answered. I've, seen, I've, under, I've learned to understand the Father's heart. I can look through my journals and see all of the things he's told me about that I never really understood. I know he is my peace. When I was going through the crap with Liz and I was really disappointed, I would take these angry prayer walks and I would walk around the neighborhood really fast and I would yell at God and by the time I got back, I was happy. Like I had this odd peace. Like I'd be sitting in front of the TV smiling and realizing that every dream I had in my life was now altered and yet my, I have perfect peace. 
I'm living in my parents' home at 25 years old. How can I have peace? So we have all of these things that become a part of our testimony so that when Satan comes and he, in the desert times and he says, God doesn't do this, he is not that, you can say, no, 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 I've seen all this. You're just lying. And that's the power of our testimony. The blood is really useful a lot of the time. But if we have no testimony, if we have no experiential truths with Christ, we're, we're going on fumes. And so really one of the things I want to get to is it's so important to keep track of, of what God's doing in your life. If you're just going through life, you're going to end up like the Israelites. I'll explain that in a minute. I, you, you realize as you're going through these desert times that Satan can do nothing to minimize my testimony. He can reduce my standard of living for a time, but every time he tries to destroy my testimony, he makes it that much bigger. The only person that can minimize my testimony is me. If I don't talk about it, if I discount it, I compare it to other people, if I don't share it, it's useless. And Satan knows this. He can't stand testimonies. So he tries to steal them. He tries to lie about them. But he, he honestly cannot remove them or destroy them from your life. Not only is our testimony powerful for overcoming Satan, it's powerful just for our own walks as walking through life. I call it the gratitude effect. It gives us perspective in, in hard times. Not when, uh, I mean, take Satan out of the equation. You're going through a difficult time. If you don't have hope, it's, it's just gonna, you're gonna stumble through life. Everybody's read, like, I love reading about the Israelites because then suddenly the Bible reads like a, a novel, all these, like, stories, and it's really interesting. They went from plagues, uh, seeing all of the, the 10 plagues, seeing the uh, Red Sea divided and walking straight through it. They saw pillars by day. They saw pillars of fire by, no, clouds by day, fire by night, like tremendous things, like things that we can't even imagine. We say, oh, yeah, yeah, those are just, I mean, I bet a lot of Christians actually discount how ridiculous God was at just showing himself. They went through all of that, and then you read, like, it seems like two days later, they're like, why are we here? I hate everything. Why can't we have meat? I'm sick of bread. Like, they go from that to whining. You're like, come on, you're reading, and you're like, you're idiots. Like, look at all that God has done. It was seriously like two pages ago. And you realize, like, it could have been, okay, maybe, we don't know how, I don't know how long there was between. Like, the, the difference between verse one and verse two may have been, like, three years, but still, if those, if the Israelites had a journal, they'd be way better off. <laughs> and really, keeping in, in mind all that God has done for us both gives us better responses. I, I, have a, I have a feeling that if someone actually stood up and said, God always provides for us, gave him this big, long, moving speech, that they would go, all right, all right, all right, we'll just, we're gonna trust him. The testing times would have been shorter. The, they would have gotten out of the desert and not died in there. I mean, everything would have been better. And it's, we need this gratitude in our lives. I know without a shadow of a doubt um, Matthew 5 says it rains on the just and the unjust. That is to say, crap happens. Like, as Christians, we're not going to suddenly have a great life and nothing's going to happen. But if we have testimonies, if we keep track of all the cool things God's doing in our lives, we know that God works all things for the good of those called according to his name. Romans 8. That's such a, like, that used to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I'm going to, like, write that above my uh, bathroom wall. And, like, every day when I wake up and take a pee, like, I'll read that and feel good. <laughs> But in reality, 
Like that meant nothing to me until I walked through all of the crap and realized like God did use everything for my good. They're laughing because they it is actually above my urinal. But um, the, the, the cool thing is I didn't know that this had any value until I went through unemployment, until I went through uh, a heartbreak, until I went through a loss, until my life did not look like it should have according to my plans and then God used it for my good. The health I've gained relationally, the, uh, the joy I have, the, uh, the ability to look at my job and not think that I'm awesome, but rather that God just is always so gracious with me. He has altered my perspective, and I, I walk around life with a, like, this value system that wasn't there when I got out of college. And I love it. I, I'm, I'm guaranteed like things are going to happen in my life, but they're not, I'm not going to spend a year unemployed. I'm going to spend three months unemployed because I'm going to get the picture way quicker. I, I hope. But it's also supremely valuable for reaching the lost. And this is really, um, once we, we're, we're overcoming and we're walking in all that God has called us for and Satan has nothing against us, our goal in life is not just to get to heaven, it's to take as many people there as we can. I want, like a, I want to get to heaven and look back and see like a whole bunch of people that I didn't know or people that I knew and they offered another people and like, you know the multiplicative effect of getting people into heaven? You, you ask one person, they ask two people and you get to heaven, there's like 150,000 people and you're in a mansion. Like, that sounds dope. And I want to see that happen in my life. Not because, oh, not because I want a big house. Like, I'm fairly certain heaven is dope regardless of whether you're in like a slum or a mansion. Like, you get to see God. Like, that sounds awesome. But, I'm reading these, I love reading books about people who have gone to heaven and come back. Like they're so specific and so consistent. I'm reading this one about a five-year-old. How many people have read that book? But yes. And you read that and you're like, oh my God, I can't wait. But also like, this is awesome. I want everyone to understand and know the God that is, is like preparing all these things for us. So reaching the lost as you, you grow in Christ, it should be really important to you. So testimony, it's evidence in support of a fact or statement, open declaration or profession. That's all dictionary stuff. In, in Revelations, when it says you will overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, the word testimony there is marturia. And it's basically record, report, testimony. It's, it has the application of like um, going before a judge. And I, I was reading about some other guy's blog on this, and, and he said, if, um, if being a Christian was, was like, you could go to jail for that, would you be convicted? Like, would you, would they say, like, Sean, you're going to jail? Or would they just say, like, eh, he's just like everybody else, let him by. Like, that, we want our testimony to be so powerful that there's no way to get around it. Like, Tim Tebow, good Lord. That guy, like, I don't, I'm, I don't watch football. I am a sorry excuse for a man. I get thwarted by, like, the, uh, the tight bottles. I, don't, I, I couldn't play football because I made a glass. Like, but I, I can't escape all that he has done. Like, the guy, every chance he gets, Jesus Christ. Like, and it's not like he's cussing. He's talking about the cool thing. <laughs> he's not talking about just random stuff. He's saying, like, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. He, he wrote on under his eyelids, John 3, 16, 90 million people or 80 million people Googled it. When he scored 316 yards, 
um, every news station was like, oh, 316, like John 316, and then they read John 316. Like, his testimony is so good that it literally speaks for himself now. Like, he doesn't even have to say anything. They, they automatically talk about it. That is the level of testimony we want to have. Yes, he's a football player and he has more press, but like, it doesn't matter what vocation you're in. Like, I used to think, I'm an economist, I, live with a, I work with a bunch of PhDs who have no need of God, like, it looks like it. But in reality, everybody is hurt, broken, needing Jesus Christ. People all around us are living lives of, of hidden desperation. And our testimony may be the closest thing people see to proof of God. Like if, if, if our testimony is supposed to be um, like the testimony in a court, literally we're going to be the closest thing to proof that anybody else gets. And if you are waffling, if you are hypocritical, if your life has no power in it, they don't want it. Our Christian, like current Christian creativity is no good either. If you look, I went to, um, I went to a urinal, lots of urinal stories, I'm sorry. I went to a urinal at, um, in UC Santa Cruz and someone had like scratched in like Jesus loves you. Like that is gonna save no one. It, it took him like, I, I'm not gonna talk about it. The, the people with the signs, like the people who are like, have you seen those people in Sacramento now? They're like holding signs and they're like, I don't even read them anymore because I'm embarrassed. But like, no one has ever read those and gone like, oh yeah, totally, I need Jesus. I want to know this savior who has random people having like angry signs. Or the bumper stickers, like Jesus loves you and then they cut me off, like <laughs> not consistent at all. The, the true power is where if we go back to Acts, if we, if we see how Peter was living, always be ready to give an account of the hope that is in you. So get in a position where you have hope. Like walk with, as we walk with Christ, hope just builds. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, it's not gonna be a fruit of Sean. I don't exude hope. Like I am disappointing as a human being. But with the Holy Spirit in my life, I learn how to love. I learn, I learn peace, joy, hope. All these great, th- it's, it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Yeah. Like all these great things, like they come out of your life. And then when people ask, like, why are you different? Share, like don't give them like, don't sugarcoat it, give them the entire truth. And, if, and don't give them the like, oh, I don't want, like this is a friend of mine and he asked me something so I'm gonna give him like a half truth and like slowly over a period of like three months lead him to Christ. Like give them the whole dang thing and then just assume that the Holy Spirit is working because when the Holy Spirit works 3,000 people, 5,000 people, he is way better than you think he is. He is in us and through us. He has more power. And he say, it's, he say, it says in the word it came to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will talk to these people that you are sharing your testimony with. And at the end of the day, they're going to go home and they're going to sit and they're going to watch TV and realize there's no point to life outside of something higher. And then the Holy Spirit will say, why don't you turn off the TV? I got something to say. And these people who don't know anything about Jesus, they'll come to you the next day and say, I prayed. And you're like, yes! Like, it's not because you're great, it's because you are partnering with the Holy Spirit every time you share your testimony. And there's tremendous power in transparency. I, I've, I'm beginning to realize um, that you can give your testimony, but if you always make yourself look good, they're not going to want to listen to it. Like, they know, Christians know, or non-Christians know just enough to spot a hypocrite. They know just enough of the Bible and just enough about what Jesus said to be like, no, you are not what Jesus like, wanted to leave on earth. They will sniff you out. But if you give them the whole truth, I, and you just lay it out there. I, I used to leave a men's Bible study. 
freely talk about pornography and all the things that guys like just don't talk about because they, and you don't realize it, but as I'm talking about like the things I've overcome, guys are like, yeah, I'm dealing with that. And they, they start to open up. Like transparency is so key. John 15, 15, no longer, this is Jesus talking, no longer to the disciples, no longer, do I call you servants for a friend does not, or servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends for all the things I've heard from my father I've made known to you. If you, if you read that again, you're not a servant, you are friends because I've made known the things that the father is saying. So transparency equals friendship. Like that, that's the way, if you want to get them to open up, if you want them to really think about what you're saying. Transparency is so powerful. It is so, um, it's humanizing. Like people hate Christianity because we, they think we're all hypocrites. So if you share like that you're not perfect, but you're, you like yourself, you are, fail at life at times, and yet you have tremendous hope. Like you go home and you smile. Like they want that. I have shared uh, six, seven times here, and no one ever comes up and is like, oh, your deep spiritual truths have really changed my life. They're like, I'm loving the fact that you share about what happened with Liz and what happened with unemployment. Those really spoke to me. Like, I don't think it's shocking at all that the, the testimonies are the things that people cling to. We, we, we're emotional. Like, we, that's who we are. And really, one of my favorite truths is that every time I share my testimony, I get more tender. Like, I used to be able to tell my testimony and be like, oh yeah, that was dope and God's good. Now I'm like crying throughout the whole thing. And it's not because, I don't know, I'm watching Pampers commercials all the time. Like, my, I'm, I'm actually beginning to believe the things I'm talking about. Like, when I say God is good, God is good. Like, I love him. Like, I can say those things, and it has so much more power every time I talk about it. Sharing your testimonies are powerful because your words are powerful. We know that in the Bible. So just a few closing thoughts and random things that I've been thinking about. Journaling. Like, if you want to keep track, we have short memory spans. Like I can't, I can't, you know all these people that are like, oh yeah, my uh, third grade teacher, my fourth grade teacher can name everybody. Like I know one person that taught me over the, in everything before high school, Mr. K. Like it was one letter. That's all I can remember. I can't like Mr. Bartholomew and Patrick. Like I've got nothing. I know no one who like taught me anything. In my childhood, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the only reason I remember my childhood is because I've seen pictures. Like I'm, I'm not super bright when it comes to just remembering everything. So how, who am I to think that, oh yeah, I can't remember those things, but I'm gonna remember every little thing that God has done in my life. Like I literally get in my, I, I write down as much as I can and I don't journal enough. Like God, once you start journaling, your hand is gonna break because there are so many things that God is doing in your life. And again, Satan, um, he wants to minimize your, your testimony. So he's gonna convince you that only the big testimonies matter. No, every little tiny testimony has value. Write it down, value it, thank God for it, and you're gonna see your testimonies grow and grow and become more tender and more powerful as you learn to share and enjoy the good things God's doing in your life. Journaling is huge. I used to, um, you know that Bible verse? Everybody kinda knows it. If you, uh, if you don't praise God, even the rocks will cry out. And you, I used to picture like rocks and they'd like spout a mouth and sing like, oh, praise you, God of the universe. Like, that is not what it's talking about. 
In the Old Testament, whenever God did something awesome, like parting the Red Sea, they'd stack a bunch of rocks. I don't know why they did it, Old Testament culture. When Jacob saw the ladder to heaven, stacked a bunch of rocks. Like, they, they're rock stacking people, apparently. And so when, um, when God says, even the rocks will cry out, he's saying, these rocks, a testament to everything I have done for my people, will praise my name. People, someone, if you look at those rocks, you're going to remember everything I did. And I, I had a friend, super deep. She said, your journals are your rocks. Like, that's so dope. Think about that. Like, when you write down all the things that God's done, and you've got like this good old little stack of books at the end of your life, and your kid's like asking you things about who God is, and, and you give them like these, you know, the last three things you've learned because that's how short your lifespan is, like, it sucks. Like, you want to be able to say like, oh, God, this, and he's that, and just have this big old history with Christ. Journaling is so key. So key. I really um, find this, this subject super powerful for my life. Um, it, I remember we talked through Ephesians, and Ephesians 2.10 2, says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's the idea that we're, we're, we have purpose and God desires for us to be useful and powerful and to see change in other people's lives. And I'm reading that and I'm like, man, I just go to work and I'm trying to save and I like my car too much and like these, these stupid things are like taking over my life and I don't see any power. And so as I'm preaching this and as I'm getting ready for this, like this is a really dear truth to me because I, I want to be useful in the Father's hand. There's another um, passage that says that if you, if you separate all these other things from your life, then you'll be useful and prepared for every good work. Like, that's, I want to be that. And so as, we, as, I, as I close up, um, and I was going to say as the worship plays, but they've already pieced out, let's do a little bit of thinking. Like, even if it's just on the way home, um, what do you need in order to be that useful thing in God's hand? Do you, do you need boldness? Like, do you have a ton of things to say, but you're not a Peter? Like, you're going you're gonna to be one of the 11 who waits for the other guy to stand up. Do you need, like, Holy Spirit recollection of all the things that have, he's done in your life? I mean, just sit down with a journal this week if you feel like you've got no testimonies and say, what have you been doing in my life? What, what can I praise you for? And then just start writing and see a tremendous amount of stuff that the Holy Spirit will take credit for. Do you need opportunities to share with your friends and family? Like you feel like I've got so much to say and share it, but I've got nothing. Like we can all work on this area. Are you not thanking God enough? Like I feel like if I thank God and really, really value all that he's doing in my life, he's going to be that much more excited to continue to work in my life. David, remember man after my own heart? He's, he would write, I will, t like, read Psalms with this thought in mind. Like, he, he constantly says, I will tell of your marvelous works. He, he says, like, I'm going to proclaim all the things you have done. That, got, that gets God excited because it's not just like, oh, I'm, I'm blessing this guy and he's, you know, just sitting in the wealth. No, he wants to share the gospel. I want to be David. I want to be Peter. I want to be useful and... I think that our community as a whole is really going to take off as we begin to value the testimonies in our lives. 
as you open up, as you share the great things God has done without restraint, don't sugarcoat it. Make sure you look as useless as possible so that the people can connect with who you are. Because you're useless, they're useless. The only good thing in life is the things that God has done in your life. You're not useless, I'm sorry, that was mean. But this is something we want to see happen in Epic Life. We want to see, we want to get used to not just hearing these things in Bible studies, but like on a corporate basis, and hopefully like every couple weeks we'll have someone come up and share like, this is what's going on in my life. And it doesn't have to be, I went to prison and I got out of prison and I learned all these things. Like it can be, I was on the way to work and I realized this about God and then as I got to work, this person asked me this and it was perfectly exactly what I needed to share. Like it doesn't need to be super deep, but if as we get used to, uh, in, in this corporate setting, sharing the things that God's doing in our life, big or small, you're gonna be shocked at when you have an opportunity with someone that you felt you, you couldn't break through to, you're suddenly sharing the gospel with just complete restraint, unrestraint. So let's just keep this in mind. Like, ask the Holy Spirit throughout the week, get a journal for the love of God Like he will do amazing and mighty things in your life if you value them. So um, let me close. Father God, I thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. I thank you that you filled us with the Holy Spirit and you have sealed us. You have given us a calling and you have given us a purpose. We are not just here existing, trying to make it until the end. God, you have given us tremendous power And God, we want to be using that power. We want to be your hands and feet. We don't just sing that just to feel good. We are your sons and daughters, and we have a mission and a purpose. And God, I pray that in this week, God, this weekend as we go to church, as we spend time with our friends, we would begin to see life with your vision for our lives. We would begin to value the things you are doing in our lives, and we would begin to walk in boldness and spit out everything that God has done in our lives. And God, I pray a multiplicative effect over just our testimonies, God. For every time we share, God, I pray that like, it, would, it would be the, um, the pouring over and the, the, you know, the double portion, God. Give us so much more, not so that we can sit in a big house, but so that we can bring people to know you. God, you have said that that is our mission, our purpose, our goal. So God, would you continue to empower us? God, every spiritual blessing is great and we love it and we wanna just walk in the things you've called us to do. So God, we commit this word to you. We ask that you would use us and you would walk with us and that we would be pertinent and something that Satan absolutely cannot stand, something he fears and runs away from. So God, we commit this to you in Jesus' name, amen. And wait, one thing. I just realized, I I wanted to say, there are some people in our lives like that always have testimonies. Like how many people have been to Brigade? Yes. Dying few? No. It's like 40, 50. It's great. And um, we do testimonies there, and there are some, like, they'll say, like, you know, it's testimony time, and then it'll be silence for, like, 15 minutes. You're like, what the heck? Like, you guys have something to say. Like, if, and Waterbury always says, and I love this, and I, like, promised myself I would say it. Like, if you don't have testimonies, you're either not thinking hard enough, or you should be worried. Like, that, that is the key. And then the other thing I want to say is, Sarah Warner never does not have a testimony. Like, ask her, like, right now, what are you thinking? Oh, Jesus just told me, like, 
we want to be that. Like, and we will be. Praise God. Anyway, that's it. Have a good night.